Our study today focuses on Galatians chapter 6, and we welcome you to the Radio Bible Course. I'm reading beginning with verse 7 of Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Verse 7 often is not understood because the Greek verb is not translated the way it ought to be, and what I mean by that is we have an imperative mood. It's a command. So Paul is saying, stop being deceived. Well, were they being deceived? Yes, they were, by the teachers who convinced the Galatians to follow the law of Moses. And he tells them that God is not mocked. That word mocked means to turn up one's nose, as in showing contempt for something. And they were showing contempt for God's grace. You see, Paul had preached the gospel to these Galatians on his first missionary journey. Many of them had believed in Iconium and Antioch, Lystra, and Derby. They received life by the preaching of the gospel, and they received the Spirit when they believed. It was the hearing of faith which brought them the Spirit and even the performance of miracles, according to chapter 3. But now they are listening to Jewish teachers who are telling them that they need to be circumcised, just like Abraham was circumcised and as the law of Moses commanded. And they were telling them that they ought to keep certain days and live by the laws of Moses. And this is a rather interesting argument because many people today fall for the same thing. They hear teachers talking about how we ought to live by the Ten Commandments. And it makes me wonder if they've ever read the New Testament epistles. Do you ever find in the New Testament any apostle ever telling Christians to live by the Ten Commandments? Not once. And yet we hear that in church repeatedly. We grow up with that kind of teaching in our Sunday schools. Where are we getting our teaching from? From the Old Testament. That's religious tradition, but it's not the Christian faith. These people were deceived, and they were showing contempt for the new faith, the one faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. They were departing from it, and they were making Christianity a religion instead of a way of life. Now, they were mocking God, and we mock God when we practice sin as believers, thinking ourselves to be immune from the high standard of God. Never forget that God has called us to be a holy people. He does have standards, and those are set forth in the Scriptures. You can read the New Testament epistles, and there will be warnings as well as exhortations. Next, in verse 7, Paul reminds the Galatians of the principle of sowing and reaping. It applies to Christians as well as pagans. And what is true 
in an agricultural sense is likewise valid in the moral and spiritual realm. One can't have a harvest without planting, and one can't get pay without working. Likewise, in the Christian life, you do not reap spiritual benefits unless you sow to the Spirit. Now, Paul expands this teaching in verse 8. He writes, For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. When Paul states, he who sows to his own flesh, he means in regard to the flesh. In the context, he's referring to them following the path of human effort to please God, which the Judaizing teachers were influencing them to do. They were being persuaded to abandon the Spirit and the Spirit's benefits for the law of circumcision in order to be right with God. That's sowing to the flesh. And that could only lead to corruption, unlike the path they had earlier chosen when they heard the gospel and reaped eternal life. One usually associates this verse with moral corruption, but the context is about wrong teaching, not immorality. They were submitting to legalism and trying to improve themselves spiritually. They weren't satisfied with the finished work of Christ. Somehow they had been persuaded by those Jewish teachers that they could do something about improving their standing with God. They thought circumcision and law-keeping would make them more acceptable to God, but it was really an insult to God, because God has declared that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And they were changing that to mean whoever believes in him and gets circumcised and keeps the commandments may have eternal life. That is an insult to the work of Christ. Christ is the propitiation for our sins, which means he's the complete satisfaction. God isn't asking a Christian to, to do anything more than to believe. And if he does something more than believe then he is indicating or implying that Christ did not do enough. He is indicating that we need to do something also. Well, if we need to do something, then we don't have a message of good news. The gospel means good news, and it's good news because God has done everything through Christ. He asks us only to respond to a promise, and it's a gracious promise. Salvation is through faith, and those who are of the Spirit will accept that. Those who are of the flesh will resist it and try to do something themselves. If these Galatians were truly spiritual, he wrote in verse 1, they would be concerned with helping those who fall. And verse 9 picks up on that theme, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due time we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Grow weary and losing heart are terms expressing exhaustion and giving up. In context, it would refer to the fallen brother. The sick need more attention than the healthy, of course. If we don't care to give time to people, we are not spiritual, as Paul sees it, and... Now notice verse 10. He writes, So then, 
As we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The word opportunity here in verse 10 is the same as the word season in verse 9. So we need to keep these two oh, verses in mind here. Paul's context is continuing as he expands doing good for a brother, and he expands it to all men. The concern at the beginning of the chapter was a single person. Now he's expanding it to all in the church. Some interpreters say that Paul means by opportunity that it's opportunity here on the earth. And they are suggesting that Christians ought to look for opportunities while they are here, not wait for them. Well, then what? Then do good. That's what we have in verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. But that clause doesn't say do good. In the Greek it says do the good. Paul is referring to a particular good. And I assume from that construction that it is the good that comes from chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Let me read that again. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the good that he wants them to do. And Paul in chapter 5 taught that love for one's neighbor is a good thing. That good would be pleasing to God, and it would be beneficial to men. The New Testament urges believers to do good deeds. It does not tell men to do good in order to be acceptable to God and to be approved by God, however, but it does exhort the Christian to do good. It tells us that we have been saved unto good works. Now listen to what Paul wrote to Titus concerning this matter. In chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, In all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent might be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. And in the following verse, Paul said, This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things I want you to speak confidently, so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable to men. Many church people are of the opinion that the Bible teaches that Christians ought to do good to all men. The emphasis in this passage is especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now this is in keeping with what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, if a man doesn't take care of his own, he is worse than an infidel. We have, first of all, a physical family relationship and a responsibility to take care of our own families. Then we have a larger family. It consists of those who believe in Jesus Christ. They become our brothers and sisters. We are all in one body, one family, under the Father. They get priority in that order. Then, if we have opportunity, 
we should do good to all men. But friends, let's not take on the burden of trying to feed the whole world and to solve all of the world's problems and neglect those who are our brothers and sisters in the church. How do we show love, which is the commandment, the new commandment which Jesus gave to the church, if we neglect our own and try to reach other people in the world? If we neglect our brothers and sisters in the faith, I don't see how God can look approvingly on what we do for non-believers. But keep the principle in mind. There's a priority here, and the priority is your own brothers and sisters first. The early Christians understood that, for we read in Acts chapter 4 how there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were possessed of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to each as any had need. Well, that got out of control. But the principle was right. They were helping one another. They believed in Jesus Christ, and they wanted to give to others. Well, I see our time has slipped by, so we'll continue our study here in Galatians tomorrow. You may know many facts about the Bible, but until a person understands grace, he cannot understand the Christian faith. God's entire program since the death of Christ is based on grace. We want you to know how good it is. By offering our free booklet on grace, write for your copy today. Ask for the grace booklet. Till tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you to rejoice in the good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.